Boy, I tell you what. My throat is starting to, I'm starting to sound like an old blues singer up here. <laughs> I'm just losing my throat. Oh, God is good. You know, before I get into the study, let's, uh, let's open in prayer. God would bless the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, uh, this time with you. Lord, that you'd just be uh, blessed in your church. Lord, that you'd open our eyes, our spiritual eyes to see you on every page, on every paragraph, every word, Lord. Uh, speak to our hearts. Lord, uh, make your word uh, clear. Lord, and uh, may we leave here, Lord, uh, not satisfied, but changed. Lord, hungry for more of you. Lord, give us hungry hearts, Lord, that we would uh, dig in and, and be brothers and sisters of your word. Lord, uh, create in us uh, just a hungry hunger for you, Lord. Lord, uh, that, uh, that you just complete that work begun in each one of us. Lord, I just uh, pray, Lord, that your spirit would rest upon us and, and uh, guide us and lead us through chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, Lord. Lord, you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a great dissatisfaction in, in, in America and in the world today. I hadn't even started. Okay, hand after hand reaching out to quench thirst, scratch itches that can't be quenched or satisfied. I want to read a little uh, story that I found and thought was interesting. She didn't want to share her name, just her pain. So I cradled the phone against my shoulder and listened. Her husband had cheated. She was angry. Angry at him, angry at God, angry at herself for being angry. In two months, she had gone through three bottles of antidepressants. She didn't want to leave her room, see her friends. Weak and bitter, she finally asked, will I ever be happy again? She's not the first to wonder. A drinker orders a double, he wonders. An overachiever logs another 18-hour day, he wonders. As a boss reaches for a secretary hand, both wonder, will I ever be happy again? You know, the thirst lingers, the itch remains. As one man said, I learned that once I had what I wanted, I found I didn't want it anymore. Solomon could have easily said those exact words. He was unlimited in what he could do, unbridled in what he could own, unharnessed in what he could experience. So he set out to do it all. And guess what? He did it all. He tried knowledge, pleasure, possessions, projects. He was serious about each. He built a temple, a palace, and another palace. He owned 40,000 horses, 12,000 horsemen, 700 wives, and 300 concubines. That's a pretty crowded house. In spite of it all, 
or because of it all, he said in a journal, I hate life. He led a life of compromise, and every little compromise cost him. He could justify it with a dozen excuses until he was a man apart from God. And see, gang, it's, it's not the big offenses, even though they tear our heart from the Lord, but it's the little compromises in our, in our life that we seem to be able to justify but they're the ones that take down and tear down that wall from our walk with the Lord. Because Solomon could look at every single compromise and it was justifiable at the time until he was a man that served many gods except for the Lord Almighty. This life under the sun cannot satisfy It doesn't stop us from trying, though, does it? Over and over again, we test this theory. Only God can quench man's thirst, touch that itch, or fully fulfill that empty void inside a man's heart. I'm so thankful that God has placed eternity in my heart. As we open up this last chapter of Ecclesiastes, the preacher is closing his sermon. And he closes it not only as a good orator, but as a good preacher with that which he was likely to make the greatest impression which he wished might be the powerful and lasting to all those willing to hear. And that's my heart this evening, that God would touch our hearts in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. In chapter 12, Solomon is saying to us, Wake up! Pay attention, consider with the intention of obedience. I hear Solomon's cry to each one of us that that we would hear from the preacher, from his own heart, that we would not repeat the mistakes that Solomon made. To the young at heart, to the young, to the learning, that is you and me. You know, you and I do not trust and obey God because we fear Him. For it is the love of God that leads us to repentance. Even though I have a righteous fear of God because I know Him and He reveals Himself to me every day. But it's that mercy and grace that draws my heart to Him. And as I read this and I hear the fear of God, I I guess what it is is that God reveals just how much He loves me. And I fear that fear of disappointing Someone that loved me so much that I revere and, and adore that I would break his heart when I sin. Nowhere in literature is there a more classic description of old age than in the first half of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. 
The meaning does not lie on the surface, but is presented in an or allegory in beautiful poetry. But soon the picture emerges as a doddering old man walking geatric museum, shuffling his way irresistibly to the grave. And me, as an older man, I hear his cry. I am an older man. Not as old as you, knowing. I'm getting there. (laughs) He is urging, remember God our creator in all that we do. Remember God in every aspect of our lives. Why such a resolved warning to remember? And that's because we forget. It's so easy to forget where the blessings come from. When life is good and everything is going great and everything is rosy, Solomon forgot. Verse 1 goes in chapter 12. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth because the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Here he has called the young people, young in age, young at heart, young in faith to think and remember God. And this is what he is saying. You who are young, flatter yourself with great expectation of wonders of this life. And from it, but believe those who have tried, this world yields no solid satisfaction. A great duty is pressed upon us to remember God and our Creator. Not only that God is, He is the great I Am, but that He created us. And He created us in His own image. But that he is not just the one that made us, but not we ourselves. Even though we think we're pretty special. We are nothing but a clay pot made of dirt, a dirt bag. (laughs) No, John, you're a creative pile of dirt. And, and the truth is, we're broken vessels. And I'm glad I'm a broken vessel, because if I thought I was all, all matched up and put together. But when God pours into this broken vessels, we leak. And we leak everywhere we go. So God pours his blessings out on us, and we leak on those around us. And one day, when we appear before him, we will be complete in him. And uh, as I get older, I look forward to that day of uh, just being complete and, and uh, seeing my Savior as he really is. We must engage ourselves in him with the consideration that is due him as our creator and give God the honor and glory he has deserved as our maker. Remember him in all that we do. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. On all these things shall be added unto you. 
You want God's blessings in your life? We all do. We want God to pour his blessings out on us. And the honest truth is, if we put God first and everything else falls into place, our life will come in line with God. But when God shakes our cage, it's because we put him somewhere else in the totem pole. And God has to put everything in line. God will not be second in our life. He won't be third. He has to be put first. And that's all Jesus was saying. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that you desire, God will give you. And Solomon goes on to say, Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. We need to do it now, quickly, before the difficult days come, before sickness and death come. Do it while you have the breath to praise him. With all your might. I have to say, and it is a great absurdity and ingratitude imaginable to give the cream of the best of our years to the devil and reserve the last broken down years of our life to God. This is like offering God a broken, lame lamb. But that's what man chooses to do. Because we so often say, I'll give God when I'm old and not so busy. And God wants us to serve him now. And it seems like man draws near to God when he's broken and on his knees. And his years are spent. That's offering God our leftovers. It's not that old people don't, don't need to remember God. Solomon was an old man when he wrote this. It's just that when we are older, we get more of an appreciation of what we could have done when we are a young man. And that's my heart. I just, I just think, what I could have done with God if I would have just followed him. Verse 2 goes, While the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. What eloquent poetry. But as I get older, I realize old age isn't poetry. You know, it hits, hits you right in the face. Your eyes don't see what like they used to. Your hearing ain't what it used to be. And you ache where places you just never thought you had. The picture here is of the body. The clay infirmities of old age are here, so eloquently described in figurative expressions of poetry. Old age is the time when the lights grow dim. The sun and the light, the moon and the stars, the lights both physically and emotionally, the days become dreary. Night becomes long. Your eyesight begins to fail. When you are young, rainy days and troubles... They come, but eventually the sun comes and chases the clouds away. But now, 
it seems the sunny days are gone. After each spell of rain, the clouds appear with promise of more. Verse 3 goes, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down, when the grinder sees because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of the grinders is low, when, the, when, the, when one rises up to the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. The picture here of a body as a house, a dwelling place, is found elsewhere in Scripture. Job spoke of it this way. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth. And Paul, speaking of the resurrection, said this, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know that God is preparing for us a new house. Speaking of a body, when the doors of the street are shut, this refers to the loss of hearing, and everything has to be repeated. Huh, honey? <laughs> what? <laughs> Loud noise is like the grinding of a meal. Grinding guitars and amplifiers are very low and indistinct, except to everyone else. When life seems to go on all around us, and it goes on without us. Even sleep becomes light and fitful. Even the sound of a bird can arouse us from sleep. We got chickens. We don't got no birds, but the chickens, those roosters wake us up early in the morning. And it says, and the daughters of music are brought low. Vocal cords begin to crack and fail and you are no longer able to sing your favorite song of praise. Oh, I feel, this is like my documentary here. <laughs> There's coming a day when we will sing a new song, and we will praise him for all eternity, the Lord of glory. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Because when I was reading this, it just really struck a chord with me. When all the saints come home and we sing a new song of glory. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 goes like this. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each having a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne. And living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. We will sing in perfect pitch, in perfect harmony forevermore. And I just want to touch on it. If we have trouble praising God here, you're going to really have trouble in heaven because we're going to stand before the Lord's throne and praise him forevermore. Verse 5 goes, Also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. It seems that old, older I get, the more I acquire fear. Not much. The fear of heights, the fear of high speeds, the fear of falling, and the fear of crashing. I used to have no fear at all. Okay, I still don't have much. <laughs> I, still, I still have a good holy fear for go-karts. <laughs> and he goes, and when the almond tree blossoms and all the hair grows gray... I just, want, I just want some hair. Then it can turn gray. <laughs> and the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. You know, old men can bear nothing and the, and the littlest of things can sit heavily upon a person, physically and mentally. Both to their bodies and their minds and the desire of sexual pleasure and intimacy dies. And then man goes to his eternal home. Paul said, set your mind on things above. For a citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body. That it may be conformed to his glorious body. According to the working by which he is able. Even to subdue all things to himself. As earthly desire ceases and abilities see, decrease, our heavenly home becomes more and more appealing to me. Verse 6 goes, Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosened, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shatters at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Solomon gives us two images that describe the suddenness of the moment of death when it comes upon us. Although we cannot see the evidence of decay coming upon us, the moment of death still comes as a surprise. The silver cord that holds the golden bowl is removed, and the bowl is damaged beyond repair, and the winding gear that raises and lowers the pitcher into the well comes crashing down, shattering the pitcher. No matter how much we prepare our hearts for death or, a de or the death of a of loved one, it always comes 
suddenly and as a surprise. It doesn't come softly. If you think someday I'll be ready, you're too late. You miss the boat. Jesus referred to the sign of the times to describe his second coming, yet stressed that the moment will be sudden. This is what Jesus said. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. And in our heart, we think we have time. We have time to prepare. We have time to tell loved ones. But the time is now. Because you do not know the day or the hour the Lord is coming. And you never know what tomorrow will bring to each one of us. When this could be the last day you got to tell a daughter, a brother, a sister, a friend about Jesus. Underneath this warning is a glorious promise. We need to watch and remember. He is coming again for his bride. Verse 7 goes, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. You know, rigor mortis sets in. Immediately, the body begins to return to dust. While the spirit returns to God who gave it, or so it seemed to Solomon. This is a sad fact. Not all souls, souls go to heaven. There are, we live in a world that is perishing. And we forget this fact a lot of times. That the world is without God and the world is without Christ. Please turn with me to Luke 13. In Luke 13, starting at verse 22, this is what Scripture says. And he went through the cities and villages teaching, journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will enter and will not be able When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Know this both times Jesus says, I do not know you. Because we think that we can hold a position in the church. We can attend Sunday morning. We can serve in the, in the bread of life kitchen or do our works before the Lord. We come sing songs. And, and we, we can think in our heart, I'm okay. 
I know Pastor Jackie. I've taken communion. I've ate at the Lord's table. But Jesus says, I do not know you. You and I, everything hinges on our relationship with him. And it's a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord and Savior that saves us. It's knowing him. It's pouring your heart to him. It's praying to him. It's seeking him in scripture. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Without God in our lives, all this life is truly empty and meaningless. I would hate to be old and look back at my life without Christ and wonder, what was it all for? And Solomon ends the same way he began. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Because without Christ, it's emptiness, emptiness. Totally meaningless. And he was preaching as a man who knew. A man who wandered away from the Lord. Now verse 9 goes. And I love, I love this part of scripture. It really speaks to my heart. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought out to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright words of truth. Solomon, besides being wise himself, he shared his knowledge with others. He sought and trained to transmit his wisdom in the form of Proverbs, and he pondered and sought out and set in order. Someone has said that life is like a school, except that sometimes you don't know what the lessons are until you have failed the examination. And, I, and when I read that, I kind of thought of Solomon because he sort of, sort of, the wisest man that ever lived, failed the examination. God teaches us through his word, but he also teaches us through creation, history, and through various experiences in life. Solomon begins his conclusion. He confirms his own position in the matter. As I read this, I remembered Paul's words to Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is upright. It feeds our soul. And if you ever want to get through to somebody in a cult, an unbeliever, God gives us a promise. He will touch hearts with his word. His word never returns to him void. But it will accomplish that for which it was sent. God's word is true and faithful. 
Now, 11 goes, the words of the wise are like goads. The words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be demolished by these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is weariness to the flesh. The purpose of the truth. Goads were sharp pointed sticks used to drive an animal in the direction required by its owner. The teaching of Solomon is sharp pointed, plain, direct, convincing. Solomon speaks as a good shepherd to you and me. He speaks to our heart. Hear my words. The purpose of the book of Ecclesiastes is not to drive us to despair. It's to drive our hearts to God. Like a good shepherd. I couldn't help but think of Saul of Tarsus. When Jesus appeared before him, he said, Why do you kick against the Goads? Because that's what we do in this world when we resist the Lord's prodding. His whisper in our ear. God draws us to himself and he will not let us go. But in our sin, we kick against the Goads. Verse 13 goes, And let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We all long for true joy in this world. That's my heart. I want happiness. I want peace of mind. That will bring right for us. Peace of mind that will, that all will be right for us in eternity. Here is the whole deal. Here is the conclusion of the whole matter. Here is why we exist. This is the purpose of life. God desires not to keep us guessing and wondering. It is all about walking in fellowship with God. And that's all Solomon is saying. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Reverence in him. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our insecure, insincere worship. God is not insecure. He deserves our glory, our worship, our love. For he so loved us that he gave. While we were yet sinners, God gave his only begotten son for you and me. We cannot outgive God in anything that we do. He gave his very best for us so that we may have life in him. We need to keep his commandments for this is man's all. There is a judgment day coming for each one of us as believers. When we will answer for what we did in this life, we will receive rewards or we will suffer loss. We decide based on whether we lived 
for the true purpose of life, a walk with God. And this is what God told Micah. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God? Man is always looking for complicated ways to get right with God. When, we all, when all God wants is simple obedience, do you know Do you know that? Just do the right thing. Show and receive mercy. Stay humble before you walk with God. This is all he wants from each one of us. This is all he requires. He wants to be known by you. This is man's all. This is what Paul said in Philippians. According to my earnest expectations and hope that is in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ will be manifest, magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, uh, all you want is mercy, to give and to show. Lord, all you want is For us to humbly walk before you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, uh, that you became flesh and you walked among us. Lord, you revealed yourself to our hearts. Lord, and we know you now. Lord, we just thank you for this new life and your blood. Lord, uh, one day we will see you and see what it cost that we may have life. Lord, what a sacrifice. Lord, I just thank you for uh, these words of Solomon. Lord, that it would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would uh, hear them and obey. Lord, we just thank you for uh, this opportunity to share in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. God is able, He will never fail. He is Almighty God. Greater than all we seek, greater than all we ask. He has done great things. Lift it up, He defeated the grave. Rest the life of God is able 
In his name we overcome For the Lord our God is able God is with us, He is on our side, He will make a way. Far above all we know, far above all we hope, yeah, He has done great things. Lift it up, He defeated the grave. Praise the life for God is able in his name we overcome for the Lord our God is able he is with us he will go before he will never leave us he will never leave us God is for us he has open arms. He will never fail us. He will never fail us. Lift it up. He defeated the grave. Raised the life. Our God is able. In name we overcome. For the Lord our God is able Lift it up He defeated the grave Rest the life our God is able In His name we overcome For the Lord our God is able for the Lord our God is able. For the Lord our God is able. For the Lord our God is able. Lord, you are able. Lord, uh, in, in your name, Lord, we overcome. Lord, we just thank you for this time, Lord, with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.